and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Deb Oki, David Brothers, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, Christopher Woodrow Butcher. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. This week, we're reading a book that is much more subtle than my opening would otherwise <laughs> suggest. A a subtle, quiet book, if you will. But no, we're bringing the energy for this one. We are talking All My Darling Daughters, the Jose slash Seinen short stories, interconnected lifestyle, slice of life collection, manga collection by one Fumio Shinaga, published by Viz Media. Like I said, not the way <laughs> I am selling it right now, let me tell you. According to our good friends at Viz Media, uh, All My Darling Daughters by Fumio Shinaga is translated by John Wary, Touch Up Art and Lettering by Evan Waldinger, designed by Yukiko Whitley, and the editor on this one was Pancha Diaz. This is an older book. This is 2010, actually, but I don't think of it as one of Fumio Shinaga's old works. David, why don't you tell us what All My Darling Daughters is about, according to the publisher, seeing as you are the I publisher. I personally printed and like bound this book, so on the back I wrote in pencil... <laughs> Fumi Yoshida wow. weaves together the disparate lives of Yukiko and her friends in five short stories, exploring the women's various relationships with the skill and elegance she is famous for. Yukiko, a salary woman in her 30s, still lives with her mother, Mari, but their relationship suffers a sudden change when Mari announces that she's getting married to an ex-host and aspiring actor who's younger than Yukiko. Yukiko, convinced he's out to fleece her mom, mm. can't stay in the house and decides to move in with her boyfriend. And it stops there. Yeah, that's not what this is about. <laughs> All right. David, David, you fucked up again. That's not what this is about. Yeah, how could, could you? <laughs> but at least I wrote it in pencil. I can just fix it real fast. Yeah, yeah. Erase and re Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so I want to say, contrary to, again, my tone on this one, this is a story uh, by a woman, Fumi Yoshinaga, who, when this was released, was only known in North America for her work on boys' love manga. And I actually, her work was on my mind a lot because we've been talking about boys' love on and off for the past, well, the past couple of weeks, but also the past the entire podcast. <laughs> but I looked and none of her strict BL is technically in print mm. right now. A lot of it came out through Blue, just Tokyo Pop, and then DMP's 801 Media. And a lot of her earliest hits that were sort of proto-BL-ish, like Antique Bakery, also firmly out of print. So when I went looking for when I'm looking for Fumio Shinaga works that were A, short, B, actually available, and C, had a digital copy so that Chip, who lives in the woods, could actually read the book, we settled on All My Darling Daughters. And it was it's an interesting choice because I think it is very firmly in a Jose space for a lot of reasons I think that we'll get into. And it... It really presages a lot of the work that she's doing now, especially what did you eat yesterday, but definitely other works that she's doing. So yeah, let's 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 dive right into all my darling daughters. And Deb, I hate to do this to you, but I'm gonna put you on the spot and ask you first, because I know you've been a, a Fumio Shinaga fan for a really long time. What did you think of All My Darling Daughters? You had read it previously, right? Yeah, I read it when it first came out, and it has been mm. sitting on my shelf since then. So reading it again. 2010. Yeah, so reading it again felt <laughs> like, oh, it's like it's like a brand new gift. Like I kind of yeah. forgot, I knew vaguely what it was about, but I didn't, some of the things that unfold and some of the things that they say caught me by surprise once again. Mm. It's interesting to read this book now because, you know, at the risk of this becoming a journal of my father again, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to try not to go there, but I'm, I'm currently dealing with some family issues mm. with my sister, my siblings and my mother, not in a bad way, mm. just kind of like, 
she's getting older kind of way. Yeah. Mm. And the things that they say, particularly the last story with the with the mother, the grandmother, and, mm. and the relationship with Yukiko's mother, not sorry, not uh, Mari. You know, like some of it's really, really intense. Like, yeah. like I wouldn't yeah, yeah. like I wouldn't cry at my mom's funeral. Yeah, things yeah. like yeah. that. Like that's heavy, but I can say that's a, that those are real feelings that mm-hmm. they, they exist, and this kind of men, these kind of complicated relationships between mothers and daughters, and how mothers can impact how daughters feel about themselves even when they become adults, is really strong. So I like a lot of this. The second story about the teacher and the teacher and the girl <laughs> with the glasses. Yeah. I, I had the problem of reading Sensei's Pious Lie by Akane Torikai right before this, and it affected my mm. reading of this. <laughs> and so what, what is that book? How so? Sensei's Pious Lie. It's a story about a, a shy, bespectacled, 24-year-old single high school teacher. As it unfolds, they, you see the, the relationship between the students and the teachers and, the, and their various uh, lovers through different people's eyes and they're very messy, ugly relationships. Mm. Whereas Fumi Yoshinaga's take on it is much more lighthearted. But it, I, when I reading it made me kind of, um, I was still kind of infected by what I saw in the Torikai book. Yeah. So mm. it, it didn't, it didn't come off as funny as I think it did originally. I, I don't know. I guess this is really interesting for me because on one hand, she's saying some really prof- profound and, strong things in here mm-hmm, yeah. but the one thing that's hard about reading her books she has a hard time drawing differentiated characters yeah yeah, yeah. so sometimes you're like wait is that the girl who became who's trying to get married or is that the girl who's the best friend of the and it's complicated because these are slightly interconnected mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it makes it i think sometimes when she does that, it makes it really hard to, I think it dulls some of the impact of her storytelling mm-hmm. because you're trying to sort out who's who. Yeah. 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 Especially with a large cast like this and with all these different things. So I should say that the framing device of this story is the through the through story that Deb describes, where it's this sort of generational conflict between Yukiko and her mom, Mari, and the fact that Mari is going to, you know take on a second husband who's younger than Yukiko, who's an ex-host who wants to be an actor, etc. And then the relationship that Yukiko and Mari have with Mari's mom, the grandmother as well. And that's the through story. But in there, we meet other characters and people that come into their lives for one chapter here or there. So it is sort of one big book, but it's also a collection of short stories. And it's really expertly done, I think, in that way, my, my take on it. But there are real problems like same face syndrome is huge in this book. It is a huge thing. And that's that's a problem. I actually, you know, normally we get everybody else and then we get Chip to be the the ringer to come in and give <laughs> his opinion. But I kind of want to go because Chip was was really making some faces while Deb was talking about like th- feelings that he had that he was responding to to what Deb was saying. So I kind of want to go to Chip next on this one, if that's all right, David. So I get to be manga explained on this one. I'm into it. Let's go. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, you're the chip this week. Chip, what did you think of this? First of all, how dare you use my facial expressions <laughs> on this audio medium against me? Well, when I when I started reading it, when I read the 
first story, I was mad at you mm. because I did not like it. Like, like halfway through, I'm just like, this is like trite, boring, mm. trying to be something uh, filled with like repetition. Like there's like one page where they use the phrase historical drama like four times. <laughs> like I'm just yeah. like, oh my god, and like, and you can just see it coming, and like. I didn't. I didn't like it. I bounced pretty hard off of it. So you know, I I shook my fist to the heavens, and I was like, <laughs> "Damn you, Christopher Butcher! Uh, you've done this to me again." And then the next story, I'm just like, I was easing myself back back into it a little bit, <laughs> not because of the blowjobs. I want you to know that it wasn't because <laughs> of the blowjobs, but there was like there were like there were hints of humor there. And like, mm-hmm. not that there was like a, a, a underlying message, but the characters were messy. Like it was, yeah. it was a very yeah. messy story. And like at the end, there's no no character that's not messy. Like it's not resolved. Yeah, I did. I also thought it was funny. I'm like, oh, these are interconnected, but only interconnected in the way that like, oh, he's over at their place for dinner. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of cheap too. But after that, the the story after that was the woman with the uh, arranged marriage blind dates yeah that was amazing that was an amazing Isn't that story good it's such a great story uh so well told with with things i didn't see coming and oh man there's i gotta pull up the one page where it's like almost a splash page where it's just the the, the two characters where she says falling in love means discriminating among people and i'm just like whoa that is like i've never my mind's never gone there before and it makes so much sense based on the previous pages like like i love story moments like Mm -hmm. that where it's like it's a surprise but in retrospect you're like oh this isn't just out of nowhere like like they've like the author's really been 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 building this so i i really love that i love the story after that about the you know the friend you know with the big dreams and the excuses (laughs) i thought i thought that was super Mm -hmm. well told and then the the final one just about the mom belittling the daughter's looks and the the history of that and the reasoning behind it and basically just a, as I went through this the story's got more beautiful and more well told it felt like to me so by the end I was no longer cursing your name I was <laughs> oh thank I God. was praising you I was like Chris you've done it again good job wow, wow. thank you so the second one's about a teacher student thing like Deb was saying in the second story and that was actually the one where I was like, I had forgotten that story was in the book <laughs> yeah. completely. Like I, think I wondered. It is, I wondered. I don't think I would actually have recommended the yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I would have recommended the book if I had remembered it was there because it's like it is a. I don't know. I don't want to be trite, but it is a pre pre me too situation. It is a like how things are dealt with in Japan versus North yeah. America, particularly twelve years ago situation, and it just reads different now. Like the humor reads a little. Yeah inappropriate but it's like also well done which is like the problem of literature (laughs) it's going to be a thing that puts off people i think for sure so heads up there's some some weird older younger like everyone's over the age of 18 it's a college student and our professor in a like very weird relationship yeah i think you know actually i do have thoughts on the the through story but i actually want to go to david now because i don't want to i don't want to poison the the discourse before we get late to what david thinks (laughs) oh come on (laughs) i made a joke on twitter recently that like romantic dramas are kind of my version of the curb your enthusiasm i can't watch this sort of thing 
Mm. Oh, wow. Because, like, I could take Curb, but, like, Sex in the City, like, can't do it. Which is maybe oh, ironic on the other way around. friends who love Sex in the City. But wait, wait, what is about this? historical dramas? Historical <laughs> dramas I love, unless <laughs> okay, there's good. a romance. Historical dramas? <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> historical dramas? <laughs> historical dramas. But uh, I mentioned that because this actually, like, I got a lot out of it. I didn't love it mm. necessarily. I liked it a lot. But I think yeah. that it hits mm-hmm. so close to home from so many different angles. It felt like I got beat up by the end of the book because mm. there's so many <laughs> yeah, different things. Even like the the problematic story, let's say, about the teacher and the student. Like yeah. there's a lot of dialogue yeah. in there where you're like, this lady suggests a solution. And she says it may not work. and I'm not taking responsibility, but like you got to live your life. Mm. Like You have to actually have these conversations. So the, all these little like Journal of My Father is a really good touchstone. But weirdly, also mm-hmm. Vinland Saga. Because Chip quoted mm. a bit, the thing about love being discrimination comes up in Vinland Saga, and it's kind of a through line through the series. Oh. And now I'm wondering yeah. if it comes from somewhere else, if it's like a idiom in Japanese or something. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I liked it a lot. Their drawings were really good. There's like a drawing of a teapot being poured that's amazing. But the color image on the TOC of the lady dancing mm-hmm. is like yeah. a great drawing. There's just something perfect about that mood. And the through line, I think, is what I should talk about first. Like, it opens with my mother was beautiful. We got along really well together as her mother's yelling at her. And you don't get the meaning of those lines until, like, the last two pages of the book. And it's the journal of my father thing where it's like, okay, we fought, we battled, and now we can see eye to eye. Even though we'll never be Mm -hmm. on the same page, we can kind of see the pages that each other are on. And that's, like, you know, such a good message. Yeah, there's a lot in this book about respecting other people's journeys, even if you don't agree with where they're at or what they've done. Mm-hmm. Like they're on that journey and that's like their thing. And I think that that's a really interesting, kind of mature take. I guess this is why it's Jose. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, I do have one last take on the same face. Oh, yeah, yeah. I agree. It was sometimes a little difficult to tell people apart, but it was surprising because she's so good at facial expressions. Yeah. The expressions on this are, if you look at that page, the last color page before it goes into the story, Mm -hmm. where it's the mother sort of embracing the daughter, and they both, like, more so than just same face, they both have, like, a different version of the same smirk. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's like a familial thing. Like, you don't have the, you never have the exact same smile as, like, your mom or your dad, but you have your version of the same thing. And that's so well done there. I actually really liked that. I like her when she draws the, the, surprised look like on page 16 where Phil has her cigarette she's like what <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> besides the same face thing there was also the face turn thing oh yes i was wondering how you react to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and it's it's like it's a common mistake but like to see it like all throughout this where like like someone's at like a three-quarter view but they're their features, especially their eyes, are like <laughs> slightly more angled than the three-quarter view. It's like it, they, yeah. they just don't match up, which is unfortunate because mm-hmm. sometimes it, it gives them some of the characters a bit of a kind of a Cro Magnon kind of feel. Because all the all the skull <laughs> shapes are like over here, but the eyes are going the other way. And it's like, oh yeah. Yeah, that was uh, a little distracting to me. But I agree that the expressions were oh, really good. It's funny because I hadn't really gone back to this book in maybe 10 years as well. I think I read it after it came out. I've actually got a physical copy as well. Bought it when it came out. I was so into her work. But yeah, she's still the same artist for sure, but she's just better now. 
Like if you look at the work she's doing on What Did You Eat Yesterday or Oku, she's just a stronger artist. I think she's a little looser in a, in a couple of different ways, which is really interesting. But I, I still think this is really solid work. Going back to David, what you were saying, the thing that this reminded me of, it's interesting you mentioned Vinland Saga because you did bring that up during the podcast when we talked about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I could totally see that. This actually, the through story reminded me of Iguana Girl from oh. yep. the Motohagio yeah. Drunken Dream oh, collection. Yeah, yeah. With the generational trauma, the feeling you're beautiful, not beautiful, the needling parents thing. That book, that story definitely would have been done before All My Darling Daughters. So I think that that's like a really interesting touchstone where we're seeing, and you know, I don't know that it's necessarily a play on that, but it's definitely similarly themed. And it, that's that was the thing when I finished reading, I was like, oh yeah, Guana Girl. I Maybe because we had just read <laughs> Drunken Dream like three or four months ago. Yeah, it's that, it's that, that scene on like 198 when the grandmother confesses why she yeah. put down her daughter for years and made her feel ugly. And it was mm. like, wow, I didn't like to have her just be so upfront about that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, if, uh, maybe not all Japanese families are like this, but <laughs> <laughs> most of that subtext never gets said. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or that's, or it's not conscious. Mm-hmm. Like I had a conversation with my sister the other day, cause we're trying to, you know, na- navigate, uh, senior care for my mom between my brother and my mm-hmm. sister and I, and we all live different places. And I was telling my sister, you know, we're not going to get anywhere if you just keep c- criticizing David for not, not taking care of mom the way you would have, you know, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. just, you're just repeating the pattern over and over again, where he's just going to resist and he's going to get angry at you. And we're, you're going to storm out of the house and we're never going to get any anywhere. And the stakes are too high with my mom right now. Mm-hmm. To, to yeah. continue with this dysfunction. So I said, you know, I think what it all comes down to is even like with my father and my, my grandfather, who was, who was very harsh on him, we all just want to be acknowledged for being good at something, mm. for being smart, yeah. for being good enough and smart enough and pe- gosh darn it, people like us. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. all we want sometimes is just to be told <laughs> you did a good job or I'm grateful. Especially with Yeah, family. you're doing yeah. the best you Especially can. But it's like, I but with that last mother story, I thought like, yeah, you get yeah. really caught up in your pattern, mm-hmm. and then you mm. can't break out of it. Like I was telling yeah. my sister, I said you're really scoldy sometimes, you know, <laughs> and it, it gets really hard to take. But then one day she told me, like, and I said, oh, thank you for doing this. I'm glad you're taking this on. And she goes, oh, I never mm. hear that from you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you want it yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's partly why this book hit me like a ton of bricks. Like right? this is yeah. probably oversharing, but I had an employee review at work at the manga factory a couple of weeks ago, and it was one of those ones that's like employee directed. So like I say what we want to talk about, and as my boss was telling me that everything I was worried about was fine, I was like, oh no, I crave validation, and I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> I can't accept compliments. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's very human and it's something, you know, I want it because, you know, maybe I wasn't validated when I was younger or in the past or something like that. And I think that everyone in this book is trying to do the best they can. And same as Journal of My Father, you know, same as in real life. You know, I was raised by a single mom who Mm -hmm. wasn't perfect, but she tried. And there's only, you know, so much you can do when you're up against the entire world. Yeah. So I liked how compassionate this was and ending on such like a grim joke. And then the mom like kind of quietly smiles and laughs about it is yeah. so touching because mm-hmm. it's like yeah. such a familial thing. Yeah. yeah I would totally. I would cry wholeheartedly at your funeral if you died. 
Yeah. Like, oh, that's sweet. I mean, that's, yeah. and that's such a perfect thing for a dark. It's dark as hell, but it's, hey. so, it's so sweet. Yeah. I know. It's, it's and, so, it's so true. Cause it's like, um, like with my dad, my dad hated his sisters. Mm-hmm. And then when my aunt died of cancer, maybe like breast cancer, maybe 20 years ago, and we all were getting dressed to go to the funeral. I said, dad, aren't you coming? And he says, no, I hated her. I'm no hypocrite. Oh man. Wow. It's like, whoa. That's you real. Are, <laughs> wow. You you're sticking to your guns. Uh, yeah. And it's like, wow. <laughs> but like I and it's not for her. And I, I go to funerals of my enemies. <laughs> so I really don't understand that. I mean, like he could have been funny about it, right? Like the catering's shitty at these Buddhist funerals anyway. I mean, he could have been no. like, <laughs> But he wanted he wanted yeah. everyone to know. He wanted yeah, that he, he was just, denying yeah. this. Yeah. Like the same thing with my sister, right? When my like she hates my dad, so she says, "Oh, you know, I didn't want to go to his funeral." And I said, "You're not going for him. You're going yeah. for mom." Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. he does—he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> you're not hurting his feelings. I guess <laughs> it depends on your yeah. Well, it depends on your belief of the afterlife I as guess. well, because if yeah, you are yeah. picturing them in another plane, being like, "Oh, you didn't even get off the couch. <laughs> God damn it." <laughs> <laughs> So that's like, so I guess like my history of funerals with my family, it's kind of like, I could totally relate to that, what that statement at the end was trying to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In between reading this for the podcast, I actually read it the night I uh, picked it, the night that we, right after we finished oh, the wow. podcast. And I was like, I'm going to sit down and read this right now. And I was like, oh shit, maybe I made a mistake, but it, it, it turned out yeah. okay. I think since then there's been some stuff that came up in my family, my mom, and I'm not allowed to say what it is because she's dealing with it still, but, and her sisters and her family and whatever. And now looking back on this, especially talking to you guys is all through the lens of the, that family situation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so different, honestly, like reading it, you're reading it and you like, you get it, you like internalize it and you understand these people's relationships, but having something happen and then going through this again, you're like, oh, this is just like how my aunt is acting. And She's being awful, but also she's being human. And oh, this is just like how my, you know, like my mom is acting and then her mom acted. And the one thing I can say is, since we're sharing, I went and visited my grandmother in the hospital who is still alive and has had COVID twice and lived. Holy. We're tough. We're tough over here. (laughs) Yeah. 93. I visited her in the hospital one time and she was just talking and she kind of, she didn't, it was one of those visits where she didn't know who I was at first because I had a beard. And then she's, she's like, Christopher. And I was like, yeah, there we go. So we started talking. She's like. Well, I mean, you know, I'm glad I'm out here and I'm in this hospital if I'm sick because, you know, it's better than if I had been back home. She's from the East Coast. And she's like, although I never did want to leave. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, your your grandfather came home from work one day and said, he, you know, they laid everybody off. So we were moving to Ontario and I didn't want to go because my whole family was here. And I said, no. And he said, you're coming. And then we moved at the end of the week. Wow. And what was I supposed to do? Because we were married. I couldn't say no. And I was just like, Holy fuck, like things were different 60 years ago. Like, <laughs> like, like that was fucked up. Yeah. And I was just like, so you never wanted to like come here and have a family? It's just like, I wanted to have a family, but I didn't want to be out in Ontario. It's cold here. I don't know anybody. I, it took forever to meet anyone. And I was just like, oh shit, like she's your grandma. You know what I mean? Like she's your grandma and you go over and sometimes she has fights with her daughters and her daughters have fights with her, but she makes, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. And, you know, you, she's your grandma. Finding out that, you know, she didn't even want to be in the province you're in, let alone wanted to have the life that she did is shocking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she also felt like she had no choice and maybe she didn't, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. Catholics can't get divorced. <laughs> so yeah, I think that that's, 
yeah, looking at all of this now through a lens of familial relationship, it was a Iguana Girl when I first read it. I was like, oh, just like Iguana Girl. Mm-hmm. Now it's just like, oh man, yeah, families, everyone's messy. But if any, if you're trying at least, you can give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and that's really good. Yeah. If you could try and, hmm, I've been thinking a lot about the concept of meeting people where they are, particularly in a like picking graphic novels for people kind of way, but. <laughs> Maybe in a life way too, you know, yeah. like where are these people at and how can I come in at that level so that I'm not like too high and seeming like I'm, I'm overbearing or too low and seeming like I'm not taking them seriously. So yeah, I think that there was a lot there for the, like, this is a, this is a book you can dig into. And even if it doesn't hit at all out of the park yeah. and it has its problems, I think that you could definitely dig in. I wanted to ask this question because there's another book that I want to do, but there's no digital for it. And I would love to do it as, I don't know, maybe we'll do it as a bonus sometime or something because I think I've got like a million books I want to choose. If I went back and said, okay, I got another short story collection and this one has more autobiography in it by this author, and Deb probably knows what I'm talking about, would you be interested enough to want to read that next book knowing how this one turned out? And that one's done like 10 years later too. Yes, because Deb just gasped in excitement. So like I feel like there's- (laughs) Deb, you ruined it. I'm guessing which one it is, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, this is really well done. It's well drawn. Yeah. I'm not going to answer that because I know you're just trying to prime <laughs> me and trying to see what, what, which no, no, way I'd picking vote. Books this week. No, no, but still, I, I'll remember this. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Because actually, I would love to read, I would love to read What Did You Eat Yesterday? Because it's like legitimately gay and whatever and whatever, but it has problems. So I'll never pick what? it again. No. Yeah, I uh, maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll do like we did with Blue Giant, where we're gonna like start a couple of volumes in and see and see if there's like a good jumping yeah, off point a little I bit like later the, in the series. Like, I think volume thirteen, when yeah, the most recent like volume is really good. Anyway, I, I think it's I think it's <laughs> worthwhile to start late with that one. So she's got another short story collection called "Not Love But Delicious Foods." which Yen Press has published. And for whatever reason, there's no digital on it. Like almost everything Yen does has a digital and this doesn't. Might've just been a timing thing or a licensing thing or whatever. But I am curious, like, I think that there's, that's like an even stronger short story collection in a lot of ways. Like that one kind of floored me when I read it. So- And it's about food. And it's about food, which we like. We, I mean, we as a humanity tend to enjoy <laughs> it. <We're safe. laughs> yeah. Thanks. But I also am curious about if this was, her BL manga is like this, is really like lots of conversations, lots of sort of characters, like digging into emotions and feelings and being trapped by circumstance and very humanistic, but also everyone's flawed. It's very hard to root for anybody. Does that hold more appeal than another short story collection in this vein? Having read this book. It's sort of all the same for me, I think. Like the appeals more the creator rather than the context around the work, you know? Yeah. Hmm. It's like she's yeah, she's onboarded now in corporate speak. So <laughs> <laughs> So you'd never read any of Fumiya Shinaga's work before. I don't think I don't think I have. Like I know about what did you eat yesterday? I might have read like one volume of that way back in the day, but I've never been like a regular BL reader. And I've got like some BL Dojinchi, yeah. you know, but those are all like gimmicky stuff or like pop culture crossovers, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, again, like romantic dramas, not my bag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's and this is intergenerational in a way that like Sex in the City is not for the most part. No one ever. I mean, anyway, regardless, 
I think that we could have a short episode on our hands this week because I'm actually out of things I wanted to talk about. Oh, but maybe we'll go around stuff. and see. Is there anything else you guys? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Then, yeah. yeah, by all means, you know, someone else, you, David, you're host now. Go. <laughs> I'm host and the <laughs> chip. This is messed up. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, an all David episode. <laughs> have any of you seen the show Love Life on HBO, the first season with Anna Kendrick? I've watched the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I no. just started. I quite it. like it. Okay. Yeah, and I was sort of skeptical. I got to season three or episode three, and the guy asked her to yeah. go to an Andrew Dice Clay show, and I immediately started clowning and player hating <laughs> in my head. And by yeah, the end yeah, of the episode, yeah. I was completely floored with like this sort of emotional judo trick that they pulled on me. Because, mm. like, for context, she's trying to have like a casual thing. You know, every episode's like a different relationship. So she's like casually dating. She meets a guy. She hooks up. Then she lies to get out of like seeing him again. And then he runs yeah. into her at her job and they have a conversation about it. And she's like, you know, can't we like have like a fun moment thing? And he's like, you know, I'm not a moment. I'm a person. And it kind of hangs there a little bit. Mm, and yeah. this feels like that. Like when she meets the arranged marriage guy and they actually hit it off, it felt like the reverse of that scene mm. where like she sees him for him and it's like, oh, this is great. Like, this is exactly what I want. And I'm still not 100% clear why she joined a convent at the end of that story. But like. Hmm. this and love life reading them watching and reading them in the same week has been really interesting for me hmm. really reflective yeah. i think yeah i can i can totally see that that story was really interesting to me too yeah yeah hmm. i actually totally got the con- like the comment thing is a little bit like of a shocker you turn that last page yeah. and you're supposed to be shocked where she's in a you know in a nice i have a friend habit. who jokes about it but all at the, the same time, time so the surprise was not <laughs> 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 but the idea of not discriminating like if you actually believe in christian mythology that like you know god is love and then if you love all people Mm -hmm. then that kind of is like the logical story extension of i can't discriminate and choose like i need to love everybody because i feel like in that story even the people she didn't really like she could have seen herself marrying to make them happy or her parents happy or somebody else happy Mm -hmm. she was just really accommodating i guess as a person yeah and i think that that's it doesn't judge her for that. That's that's yeah. what's fascinating. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's what yeah. I want to dig into here. Because it would be like, oh, she's a doormat in another kind of a story context, right? Yeah. Like she's like this wishy-washy whatever. And it's like, no, she makes decisions for herself that are true to herself. And that's – and the story like honors that. And I think that that's crazy because you don't see a lot of that in, in contemporary fiction. You know what I mean? Yeah. People going their own way in that kind of direction. She's kind, but she's not like – kind because she's just scared of upsetting everyone like there's yeah. no there's no there's no yeah. fear there there's just like a genuine kindness kind of throughout the story mm. yeah yeah I, I i agree like yeah it was it was it was kind of refreshing because like usually when you see like a character become a priest or a nun it's like due to some tragedy or like almost like a character flaw really but yeah. you don't you yeah. don't really see somebody kind of take that path purely out of a realization that they love everyone and like that's and and they're full of love and they want to help and they want to be kind and yeah yeah that that was really nice just like noticing that there were these these moments like on one page 104 she's walking with the the guy who the guy with the limp thing oh she says oh Mm. what's what did you see it's like oh there was this cute stuffed animal yeah it's cute and they keep walking and then he turns around and says, are you still thinking about that stuffed animal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Goes, yeah. No, no, not at all. He goes, shall we go back? And then there's a pause. He goes, go back. And yeah. I thought, that's yeah. so dear. 
And that it's was the so moment realistic I thought, too. I'm rooting for this guy. He's he, he's yeah. so nice. And mm-hmm. then you know, unlike Korean dramas, the guy who seems perfect, you know, because like it's like Goldilocks, right? The first guy is too cynical and too yeah. controlling. <laughs> the second guy is just a jerk who assumed they were going to have sex. And then like each one of the mm. each the guys she meets are like, yeah, you guys are shit. Yeah, you guys are shit. And then she meets a guy, and the guy has a limp. And then the matchmaker goes, "No, you don't want him because he's damaged. He's kind of like damaged goods, but yeah. he's good-hearted, mm-hmm. and she sees that he's good-hearted." So if this was like a Korean webtoon, by the end of the thing, they'd be married, they have a couple kids, it'd be kind of cute, right? But with this yeah. story, she just kind of goes like, "No, actually, no." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna fall in love. It's it's hard to measure up to JC. JC versus any other man, you're going to, it's a downgrade. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? As a Buddhist, it was a little hard to relate to, but you know what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say with a, with a scene of the stuffed frog, it's also, it's also implied that like he didn't buy it for her too. She bought it for herself. Mm-hmm. Like he just like, mm. he just unlocked her to just kind of do the thing for herself, which I thought yeah. was like, kind mm-hmm. of a, a nice subtle touch. I also like the fact that like, you know, he's got, he's got the limp. He's ruggedly handsome, but also the accident made it so he has to talk quiet. <laughs> like, like, like they really, Ooh. they really teed up. Like, oh yeah, no, this guy is like, you know, perfect in every way, but one. And like, you know, she can see him for who he truly is. Like, so yeah, pulling the rug out was even more of a surprise. Yeah, I feel a little bad for him that he didn't find his one I too well. Him. But you know. <laughs> He's a good guy, yeah. <laughs> That's what we need. Like, no, why? Why? Imagine going on a bunch of dates with someone. It's going really well, and then they become a nun. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to it's see the lot. follow-up story to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just him at a bar. <laughs> One of my favorite drawings in the book is when her friend finds out she's joined the convent and kind of like rubs the bridge of her nose. <laughs> it's such a great drawing of like coming to grips with something that yeah. it kills me. Yeah. yeah. Something else this book does that kills me. I love a mid page scene change. And this book does yeah. it all the time in the first half. Yeah. 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 At first it's jarring. Yeah. Like, because partially because of same face syndrome. Because I'm just like, oh, am I missing something? But, but, but yeah, I, I, I love that. I think I've probably talked about it here before. Like, yeah. Pick, picking that up from, from Frank Miller working on Daredevil, trying to incorporate that into my Marvel work, just because it just like really kind of keeps the pace of both mm-hmm. off kilter and fast, which I really enjoy. And then the the arranged marriage part was good because suddenly it became like a storytelling tool. Like it was just guy after guy after guy. Yeah. And ah, so good. Deb, when you first got this, what was it that like got you in the door? What made you want to read it? Well, I, I, I like her work, you know, I'm not a okay. big, at the time I wasn't big into BL, but I, mm-hmm. I liked the concept. And at the time this came out, there were so few books that had this perspective, right? Where uh, stories about women who are older than high school girls, yeah. <laughs> who aren't, who yeah, aren't yeah. parents, who have relation, you know, friendships and uh, with, with other women. And, you know, it's, it's just like the Bechtel syndrome where like they're actually having conversations with each other, not about men. Oh yeah. 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 
the and the messiness and the way that they could women can be mean to each other without mm. e- even trying the kind the nuances of the female relationships are i i don't when i first read it i don't think i appreciated it as much as i do now maybe because i'm older mm. maybe because you know i i don't know i mean like or maybe i've i've started reading more stories like this but you go like oh th- she's this feels I don't want to say real, yeah. but it feels mm. more thoughtful yeah. and, and nuanced than the, than the cheap, easy way to depict how women are to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I appreciate it more. Although yeah. it is a lot of talking heads. <laughs> yeah. Didn't bother me, though. Like, they're well-drawn heads for the most part. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and sometimes... Like they're silent and it's used for great storytelling purposes. Like 106, when she's still on the date with the Whisperer. Like, like the, the panels are very similarly shaped and a lot of it's just kind of quiet. And then on the next page, still like that. And then you have that scene, mid scene change that, that, you know, that David loves so much. And it's such a really good mid scene change too, because it's like, it's talking heads. And then it's a close-up of a talking head, just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. So good. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Building on Deb's point about kind of the way women treat each other and like the tools women use. Something I noticed in this is she kept telling all of her suitors like, Oh, you're too good for me. And that's the same thing that the creepy student tells the professor when he's like, look, like, let's go on a date and have a relationship. He's like, oh, you know, you're too good for me. I'm sorry. And I feel like there's something there as well, that it's both like a kind let down, but then also sometimes genuine, like in the case of quiet guy. In the case of the student girl, and this, that's the one that reminded me of this one, because there's a similar girl, like a mousy girl with glasses who offers her herself up sexually mm-hmm. mm. because she feels that's the only way a guy will like her. If she's easy, if she mm. gives him what he wants and it, and it comes from this place of, I have nothing else to offer and there's no other reason why you would like, mm-hmm. unless I give you what I assume all men want, which is sex. But in this case, what's interesting is that even when the teacher offers her an, a semi-normal relationship, like, let's yeah. try to go on a date. You know, this doesn't have to just be yeah. about you servicing me. She refuses. And then in the end, she goes out with a guy who's obviously mean to her. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you don't, you don't dig too deep into it, but it's like, this is it. That, that's what she's comfortable with. Like, she would never want to be with someone who would be nice to her. Like, it would screw mm-hmm. up yeah. her worldview too much. You know, like, some people are more comfortable being unhappy like and being happy Mm. sometimes makes them scared or yeah it takes them into unfamiliar territory that they don't know how to deal with or they feel like they don't deserve it there's all kinds of stuff here and it's like wow yeah and there's also just youth Mm -hmm. there's like all the fucked up things that happen in your head youth and like by observing culture and what is expected of you and what you deserve like you know that that character i mean i'm sure those characters exist in their 40s but much less so <laughs> in in real yeah. life and fiction, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, yeah, the, the the story is. I, I did I did kind of like that it was messy, and it's it's for yeah. adults, and and mm. you know I wouldn't recommend it to everyone, and I feel so bad that I got an actual laugh out of him 
calmly holding her back yes, from, okay. <laughs> from giving him a blowjob as she's just like yeah, like cartoonishly like trying to make her way to his crotch and I'm just like oh Jesus yeah that page uh, 66 I should looking oh, at that man. yeah okay. yeah let's see like oh page- alright let's get right to it <laughs> page 66 it was page 52 for me where yeah? like they ask him like mm-hmm. so you couldn't refuse, and he's like, her technique was awesome, and they're booing him. <laughs> that was where I was like, okay, I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah, and they're they're all just like, you're disgusting, but keep telling us what's happening. Yeah, also this like, is fascinating. <laughs> is it her mom at this table? Like, what are they? Are, yeah, yeah. I could oh. never imagine having that conversation with about a friend with my mom. Yeah, but your mom, well. I'm not. I'm not going to speak of yeah. of your mom in any way. But I was like, she's also dating a 20 year old, so yeah, I bet she's I had some not. conversations at the host club that are a lot. Yeah. Host, the host club, not a G rated situation, not a G rated conversation. I was, I, yeah, I was way too uh, open discussing uh, sexual stuff with my mother. So for me, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I see. She reminded me recently mm, that like total opposite. Yeah, she reminded me recently that I, I just like. I couldn't wait to tell her that I lost my virginity, how exciting it was. <laughs> That's actually really sweet. It, I mean, it is, it is like, but, but she also couldn't uh, help herself from telling me years later that like, okay, I mean, this is probably too much information about my mother, but like <laughs> in high school, like I was, I was, you might find this hard to believe. I was a bit of a nerd. A little bit mm, scrawny, mm. not very attractive. But my best friend was a hunk. He was just absolutely a hunk. He was like Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt was more attractive and charming. And we we wow. had like we had like so he come over to my place. We have an above ground pool, and you know we'd swim and you know splash each other. You know like it's a, like a music video. And mom told me years later that she would just like stand in her bedroom window, just staring down at him. <laughs> while we were swimming just trying to ignore the fact that I was there <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's like fast times at Richmond High <laughs> oh, oh Stacy's mom Stacy's mom yeah that was too much information but thank you for sharing I really appreciated that that was great <laughs> anyways yeah we've always we've always been very open and sometimes we'll like pretend like oh that's too much but really we're all just like yeah no this is the I family. love your mom already this is, this is so room. hilarious right <laughs> she's she's very nice Mrs. Mrs. Darcy she's great and sorry just another quick story <laughs> I was the host of the bachelorette party for my friend Tiffy who was the model for sex criminals for Susie mm. Mm-hmm. And and so we we went to like a I was, like I took him to a strip club and all this stuff and out dancing and it was a lot of fun. But my mom found out she's like, oh, um, I've got a thing for you. I'll I'll send it down. I'm like, oh great. And my mom has uh, penis molds, uh, <laughs> and she would make these things that she called cocklets. Nice. <laughs> and she, cock chocolates. Yeah, and and she would be like, yeah. and she'd be like, and and uh, uh, every once in a while you'll bite into one. And there'll be a cream filling, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, I know exactly what you're saying, Mom. So I got I got to bring those to the bachelorette party I was hosting. That's delightful. Yeah, she's great. fantastic. Love you didn't mom. have to. They're really expensive to buy, actually. So that's a good. Job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Custom chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's my mom. So yeah, I didn't I didn't even notice that in these scenes. <laughs>
you know, you're having a dinner party with young people. Things are going to get discussed. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Isn't it funny how this mm. conversation about our mothers are, is just so much more funny? <laughs> yeah, it's gone in some direction. Moms. I had one last thought and I want to, and maybe this is bullshit. So I actually wanted to bring it up so you guys could tell me I'm full of shit. So I'm ready. I feel like in this book, the bad guys, and that's a pretty loose term and it, people go from being bad guys to good guys. You know, obviously things are messy and no one's, you know, strictly better good, but the people that are portrayed as bad people, I think are the ones who are insisting on other people who the ones who are not who are like putting their own, like they're trying to control situations rather than trying to react or just live their own lives in situations. So like the, the matchmakers who are trying to like set the, the girls up to get married, the daughter in the first story where she's like, you can't do this is mm-hmm. like clearly the bad guy in that story until she has her you know breakthrough, her moment. And all the stories, like everyone that's kind of an asshole is the one that's insisting on other people. And the ones that like stop insisting and sort of deal with their own shit are the ones that are given redemption arcs and other people are just like, going to just go live their lives as assholes, I guess. <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of Japanese, like just mind your business as like a lifestyle choice. You know what I mean? But that, again, that might be bullshit. I would love to get some feedback on that. Mm. Anybody? Wow. No, no I mean, one wants to these, touch that idea. I'm, I'm going to ask this as a, as a Japanese American person just because, but did you find that you couldn't relate to what these women were doing? Like, no, like that women like aren't like this in America. No, no, it was more like it was more. It's not even about the individual characters or women or men as a generalization. It was about the 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 the, the project, the novel. It was this idea that like if you insist on other people and try to dissuade them from finding their happiness, that's what makes you a bad oh. guy. And if you sort of stay in your lane and sort of follow your own path and not try to like influence or fuck up other people, you know, sorry about the sense swears, <laughs> then you get to live a good life or you at least get to live a life where you're more contented. You know what I mean? Like the, the grandmother is like, gets the worst of it because she's constantly needling and trying to shape and mold her daughter. Mm-hmm. And she's shown to be like the sort of cause of a lot of the trauma and a lot of the stress and a lot of the problems in the whole book the matchmakers trying to push these people together and push this poor, literally saintly young lady into these awful relationships <laughs> just to fulfill their own needs to match people up. That kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I felt like that was a theme in this story that, you know, I'm, I only really picked up on hearing you guys talk about it. Or like that student insisting on giving those blowjobs. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the whole thing. Like the story is not kind to her. No. Like she ends up with a total piece of shit in the last page. Yeah. And it's like, what is that like? What is the author trying to say there? Yeah, yeah. You know I what I mean? Like, interesting that you say it's not kind because I thought it was still sympathetic in a way. Oh well, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's uh, all sympathetic. Maybe it's yeah. Maybe I'm splitting hairs. I don't think I think every single person feels real and is not a total villain. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it's like shown that their actions are hurtful. Can they figure it out before they die? <laughs> and the answer is like maybe. Yeah. Well, like the, yeah. the, the, the two friends, right? The one where the one where she confronts her, her friend in her twenties or thirties, saying, "You didn't fulfill anything you said you were going to do." And then the yeah. woman just looks down, and she goes, "You're still such a child." And it's that's such a wow. cutting thing to say. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, like later on, the years go by, and the woman goes like, "Oh, I really didn't have any." Right to tell her that she 
that she mm-hmm. didn't fulfill her promises to herself. Yeah, she should have minded her own business. Yeah, <laughs> but it, but the way that that woman, like the way that 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 friend responded with this look of pity and condescension, is like, whoa! I'm surprised yeah. water didn't get <laughs> yeah. thrown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that she looks down and laughs first. It's like you can hear like the laugh in your head looking at that panel. Mm. Yeah. So good. <laughs> mm. I mean, it's up and they, the things that these women deal with, right? I mean, the one where on page uh, where the, the editor on page one sixty four, and the the author says, "Tell him, tell your boss to send you some someone a little cuter next time." It's like. Oh, what a jerk. <laughs> yeah. What an asshole. But, you know, like you, when you're not a pretty girl, you deal with these kind of small insults all the time. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that feels real. <laughs> yeah. I think in the difference between, like you asked about American women and Japanese women in this book, I think what surprised me the most was like not the existence of the sexism, but like how the misogyny was expressed. Mm. like just the constant i mean you know there's there's always commentary on looks but i think that the way that it was built in this was surprising for me like when the mother says like oh yeah she's real thin and no breasts and she's ugly i'm like wow that's like a lot to take yeah yeah but that's how like typically japanese parents introduce their kids hi this Mm. is my good for nothing son (laughs) you know (laughs) oh this is my daughter she's ugly but you know please be nice to her i mean they'll they'll yeah. They'll say shit. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, not. It, I'm like, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but they do. It's a supposed to be. It's considered a form of modesty. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. I can totally see that. Yeah. They say like, oh, wow. yeah, this is my good friend. I think But then, like, as a as a person growing up in America with parents who grew up with Japanese values, like I would watch Brady Bunch and go like, whoa, what planet are they from? <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i think most people did though <laughs> that's true that's a good point. That's a good god those two brady budge live action movies that they did are so good they're so good them and the two adams family movies are just like i die laughing watching those and it doesn't matter how many times i watch I, them i, I can't i mean you know we're early for shout outs but i can't recommend that first brady bunch movie uh, more highly like I went, I went, oh, I went so to good. see it at the review. I think, I think maybe Anthony it was one of his nights. It was some yeah. kind of special night. And I was like, oh yeah, Jessica and I went. I'm like oh, Brady Bunch, maybe I'm sure it was fun, funny. It is just like cuttingly funny. It is like so yeah, is dark so and twisted and weird. And it, it and now it works as nostalgia on two levels because like mm. it's the Brady Bunch characters but they're in the nineties now. So it's all like, they're like, haven't you heard this new Nirvana album? And like, so like everyone's laughing at the nostalgia of that as there's a nostalgia for the Brady Bunch period. Anyway, sorry. I have to watch Uh, this. I've never seen this. It's it's really good. And Gary Cole, Gary Cole from Veep, who's an amazing comedic actor. He's like the main Brady guy. I don't know any of their names, but like he's the dad and he's just like, just perfect deadpan. Like he's, it's really amazing. I was gonna say the 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 misogyny scene in here about about the author saying to send someone cuter next time. What I love about that is that it's it's so quick before you get the second dose of misogyny because he goes to tell Yagi to send someone a little cuter next time. Just a look of her, just like kind of like blank face, 
she goes to her, the other editor and goes, that's what he said. And, and he's like, sheesh, he's awfully picky for someone with only sporadic successes. <laughs> yeah, it's he just like, it's, just, it's not even a denial. No, it's not a denial. <laughs> it's just like, oh, he's being picky. Like you're, you're fine. You look fine. Like, oh, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's Amazing. so smart. Mm. Yeah. That whole middle story is brutal actually. Yeah. yeah. But here's something we haven't done in a long time before we get to final thoughts. What is a North American book that you would recommend if someone likes All My Darling Daughters or if they like this North American book, they should read All My Darling Daughters? I've got two. So I'm going to see if one of you guys pick one and I'll go last. Anybody? I don't know. Green Lantern? <laughs> no, Green Lantern. Yeah. That was actually one of them. The other one was Yellow Lantern. All My, all, all my Darling Space Cops. <laughs> I, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. The thing that you guys said that immediately twigged me with the mid-page scene changes, Love and Rockets. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With like actual grown-ass people talking about grown-ass issues, especially the later Love and Rockets stuff. This really reminded me of some of those like crazy, messy situations, like flashbacks to abuse and shitty family situations. Like, I, I mean, I like Jaime stuff better than Gilbert stuff. Please don't be upset, anybody. But yeah, Love and Rockets was the big one for me. But the other one is actually what Deb said, the work of Alison Bechtel. Mm. The stuff with yeah. the moms in here, Are You My Mother? More so than Fun Home, but obviously Fun Home as well, because you kind of got to read that one to read Are You My Mother. Yeah. And like mother, the, the complexities of mother-daughter relationships, where it's not just a good story where you find out about this complex relationship, but she actually does all the research on like why mothers and daughters are like this and includes it in the book. It lost a lot of people. It's a little dry, <laughs> but I loved yeah. it. Like I was just like, oh my God, this is just, this is gold on the paper. So that was my, those are my picks. If you liked, if you liked either of those two books or either two, or either of those two authors books and want to check something out, definitely check out All My Darling Daughters or vice versa. Anybody with any other North American I was going to say Posey Simmons. Oh, Posey Simmons. I can see that. Yeah. English, but well, that's fine. Yeah. English language books, let's say. <laughs> I was going to name Wash Day Diaries by oh. my friend Jamila Rouser and Robin Smith. Mm. It's about like black women and their friendships and their relationships and kind of, you know, just like talking and being around each other. And it's also a collection of short stories. So mm. it's really mm. apropos, I think. Jamila, she really like oh, loves this is going to sound so basic, but loves female friendships and all the things that come out of it in this book. And I think that Yoshinaga's work in this book as well, do a really good job of kind of running that spectrum. They're showing us a lot of cool things. Yeah. And she loves Jose, which this is as well. Yeah. Probably. This is probably on her list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, if you haven't listened to the interview that David did, it was maybe 10 episodes ago. Now it's a really good interview about Jose and about what she sees in it mm -hmm. and what she, what she wants to bring to the table with her publishing effort. It's really, really good. Yeah, like you know that. what? I rescind my Green Lantern suggestion, and I'm just going to agree with all of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, love and rockets. Chip, great good. choice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, David. <laughs> <laughs> so, final thoughts. I'll go first to give someone else the last. Actually, I'm going to go first because David's the host, so he has to go last. Oh, true. <laughs> I actually really liked this book. I was happy to have reread it, even though it gave me pause because some of it didn't age as well as other parts of it. And that might be a little bit off-putting for people, but you know, you read, I think if you read contemporary literature or fiction, you're not going to have too much of a problem with what's here. Yeah. I really liked this. It what makes me want to go back and read not love, but delicious foods and some of the older other out of print work again as well. And if I could track down some copies, maybe I'll gift chip a copy next time he comes to Toronto <laughs> and can read it. Perfect. Perfect. Love it. Deb, how about you? What's your final thought? It was so nice to be able to reread this again. 
as an older person and as someone who's read other books in the in the interim mm-hmm. mm. i appreciate i guess i appreciate the the things it brings up about female relationships and that she doesn't really allow a lot of easy answers mm. let's let characters be messy but not too messy to the point where you're like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm saying that because of a cutting tori kai honestly because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. whoa that goes down the messy road <laughs> or yeah or like Sikatera. Sikatera is very messy and on a, from mm-hmm. a male point of view. But I like some of the messiness I like because it's it feels grown up. You know, it, it respects mm. your intelligence as a reader, expects your emotional maturity as a reader to realize that, yeah, stuff, people are messy, people are imperfect, people are complex. Sometimes how you want things to end aren't how they're going to end, but maybe how it ends is still perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know, it just, it wasn't a tearjerker. It was just kind of matter of fact. And, but just mm. refreshing in how you could relate to it. And be like, ah, yeah, that feels like what some, what something that someone would say, or whoa, yeah. that, that, that person said that so quietly, but it was so cutting. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a, it's an interesting book. And I would, I guess I would, it's the kind of book I, like, I'd love to recommend to my, my friends who don't read comics who are my age and I don't, oh, and I'm, I'm wondering yeah. how they would react to it. You know what, what they would mm-hmm. say. I mean, this would be good. I want to put this out there. It's like, if you have a book club with a lot of women over 40, over 30, over 40, try a tradition to the next <laughs> and see what happens. Well, first of all, they'd be very confused. Oh, true. They'd be like, do I read right to left? What's going on here? <laughs> As, <laughs> <laughs> Very hard to recommend <laughs> the book clubs. Yeah. Flip back to episode two to find out how Chip dealt mm-hmm. with that. I'm amazed yeah. you remember that. Chip, what's your <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. final thought? <laughs> well, much like a lot of the characters in this book, I came in harsh and hot with criticism of Chris at the beginning. But then I, <laughs> but then I quickly understood his need for validation. So then I complimented him. Nice. Mm. We call it a shit yeah. sandwich in my company. <laughs> yeah. Compliment well, like, sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, yeah, it's, comp- no, it's compliment. All the way around. What I did to Chris was a shit sandwich if there was no other piece of bread. It's just like, <laughs> just, just shit <laughs> flat on the plate. <laughs> the shit turkey. Uh, yeah, there you go. It's like an open face shit sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I grew to love this book very quickly. There's a lot of variety in here, even though, as we've kind of talked about, there are a lot of like through lines, not just with the characters, but with themes. And yeah, I, re- I recommend it as a book for, for grownups, not only because like it's it's probably easier to kind of relate to some of the characters and their choices, but also uh, yeah, maybe the second story might bounce off of a younger person. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm noticing yeah. the, older, the older I get, the more I'm just like, Eh, it's just a story, and I just kind of just kind of go with it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I I I quite enjoyed it. So good job, Chris. Here's another here's another piece of bread for your shit sandwich. Good job. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yep. Nice. I'll never go hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna become the Joker. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just desperately trying to edit all these swears out. <laughs> My final thought is Uh. (laughs) on page 28 and 29, Yukiko's 
mother's young boyfriend is making tea for her because he drank her tea from last night. And I like this page. And it's my final thought because something I love about comics is when someone knows that the rule is if there's talking heads, they got to be doing something. They can't just be talking. Yeah. And in this scene, like he's like mixing the tea. He's like turning on, you know, the hot water thing. Then there are these two panels of him just pouring the tea. No backgrounds, like just his hand in the pot that, that are really, I don't know. It's nice. It's like a good breather, like reading yeah. Hellboy or something when they have like the inset panels. Mm. And this book is full of stuff like that, like really intimate and close. And I'm glad I picked it so that I could host this episode of Manga Splain. <laughs> so we're going to take a break, run some ads, and then we come back af- after our ad break for something else. We'll catch you in a bit. Thanks, David. <laughs> Thanks, David. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back. We hope that was a lovely advertisement. We realized we hadn't done Q&A. I realized we hadn't done Q&A for a little while. So we wanted to answer this, this cue that came in. Fella named Matthew sent it in to the email address, which is mongsplaining at gmail.com. Hit us up with questions. The question is, I came across this from uh, this, this segment from the book Manga in Theory and Practice by the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure creator, Hirohiko Araki, who we will have to cover at some point, but it's awkward <laughs> because David edits that book for Viz. So we're, we're trying to figure it out. But he basically wrote this book about the theory of making manga, of making comics. And he says... It's in the rough layouts where I believe the decisive difference between Japanese manga and Western comics can be found. In Western comics storyboards, panels are laid out with the most importance placed on good drawing composition, and the sketches focus on the character's actions. Japanese mangaka, on the other hand, place emphasis on characters' internal thoughts and emotional reactions. This focus on the internal is what sets Japanese mangaka apart. And Matthew continues... What I thought was super interesting was in the last paragraph about the difference between Western and Japanese comics, I wanted to see if y'all had any thoughts about how he thinks manga and Western are primarily different, and if you think there's something that defines manga from Western comics other than this, I guess. I wanted to throw that open to Chip, actually, to see what he thought about that (laughs) sentence. Did did your blood boil hearing him distill American comics down to you? They like to make the pages look pretty first. (laughs) Not wrong, but only in the the lower to mid-level artists. Mm. Would you like to expand upon that? Sure. I mean, I think I think it's kind of it. Yeah. 
I, I bounce off a lot now, especially I bounce off a lot of North American superhero comics because I mm-hmm. just I don't think there's a strong enough emphasis on storytelling and you know the internal lives and stuff like that. But there are definitely like artists who make that their focus, and a lot of times those artists are the artists that other artists love that aren't necessarily you know the ones that are like the fan choices. Yeah. So so I I, I actually agree. But, 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 the, but the other thing is uh, too, like, to 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 say that m- manga does the opposite. I don't think that's true on unnecessarily the stuff that kind of leans more towards the superhero work. Like, I think for sure it is with stuff like this mm-hmm. because, like, what, <laughs> like, what are you? Where's your action here? <laughs> like, there's like man- manga. Manga has such like a. <laughs> yeah such a broader kind of genre experience than hmm. you know when, when the, the shorthand for western comics is superhero comics you know because yeah. obviously like yeah. you know some of the other books like love and rockets is not about the action it's very well drawn mm. it might be the best drawn north american comic of all time but yeah yeah the, they're they're obviously not referring to those books yeah so so they're looking at manga as being like all of manga instead of just like, you know, Naruto or something like that. But they're looking at Western comics as being like Batman and Spider-Man. So from from through that lens, sure, sure, they're correct. But, you know, there's exceptions to prove the rule, I guess. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. how all generali- generalizations... Wow, I can't say this word that I'm really trying to say. All generalizations are true until you get to the specific, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that... Like yeah. superhero comics and shonen manga are probably the most comparable. And when people talk about like, you know, comics needs to learn from manga, they're talking about specifically those two genres nine times out of ten, even if they don't say it. Yeah, yeah. I think about Dundadan yeah. a lot in this reading this, and I'm just like, there was so that was like an action comic, beautiful sequences where characters are like bouncing all over the place, really good. But there was like an insane amount of like internal lives of those characters, silent sequences. Mm-hmm. Or sequences where a character would be saying something and that character would be off panel and you would just be seeing how another character was reacting to what was being said. And that happens less and less, I find, in a lot of superhero stuff. And again, you know, generalization breaks down as soon as you can point out and go, well, in this. And it's like, yeah, but that's chip writing. And so, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So but also I, le- <laughs> length, length and page size also really yes. come into play there. Like like superhero comics are like 20 yeah. pages and I have to have a fight in a superhero comic. I just have to. It's stupid and yeah but it's what it is whereas like don da don like you can have like big stretches where it's just it's just the characters on the page kind of talking through a thing or figuring a thing out whereas you have kind of less of that in in superhero comics and because you're yeah. you're sometimes you know that they'll have the self-limitation of like you know only like three four panels on a page then you're really getting in on the characters so if your characters are just talking like they've got to emote more they've got to like have some sort of visual interest there, which is a little bit different from the superhero comics as well. Mm-hmm. Deb, you read a crazy amount of manga. But, <laughs> what? And I know you, when you go and read Western comics, you do like sometimes bounce off of them pretty hard because of things like structure, pacing, focus, character, et cetera, et cetera. I'm curious what you think about what he said here about how these things are different. Like we've talked a little bit about how we find manga more edgy and engaging sometimes but is that a function of the storytelling where it's the storytelling is about bringing their inner lives 
to light rather than their actions or the plot. Mm. Yeah, I think David's right that there are there are manga that are that are that do that. You know, mm. like and we, and we say that in genre, right? Like where shoujo manga, for example, is all about inner thoughts floating on the page yeah. with flowers yeah. in the background, right? Like every, <laughs> yeah. every little thought that the girl has, like, what? Dot, dot, dot. Does he not like me? Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's only three panels with flowers and things like that. And, you know, as a cynical artist, you can go, well, that got drawn in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's like, but that's the genre, right? Whereas I bounce off mm. American comics sometimes because it's just, I don't know where to look. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's got so much going on. There's the, the colors are super saturated and there's action. And then the word balloons are willy nilly all over the place. And I'm like, what's, wait, who, what, who's, who's talking to each other? I see these floating <laughs> balloons and someone's hitting somebody and wait, who's talking? Yeah. And then it's, I'm, I'm just confused as a reader, you know? And, I'm, and, and I guess. Also, as Dino Gabe was saying, he bounces off romantic dramas. I like relationship stories. You know, I mean, that's mm. there's a reason why girls. This is a, okay. <laughs> go ahead. This is a generalization that's true, and so we get <laughs> go ahead too and, close to it again. I'm going to get burned on social media for this. But girls tended to like X Men and Legion of Superheroes and Teen Titans because it was about relationships as as much as it yeah. was about mm. the fighting. And the f- stories that were just about the fighting were less interesting. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. sort of like how I'm pretty sure everybody black I know loves the X-Men growing up because like that was like our entry into Marvel, even though there were like one black character, but something <laughs> that's kind of missed in the conversation sometimes are the importance of anthologies. Like if mm. chip turns in an issue of Batman and there's just all fighting 24 pages of fighting it's going to seem weird but if there's 18 other you know comics in a book with that then you can just move to the one you like more or you know like enjoy it on its own terms like it changes how you perceive the work when it's put next to something else so if you get a slow chapter but then maybe one piece is super good that week it doesn't feel like oh this chapter sucked it's just like oh this is a downbeat before they ramp up again a couple months down the line and the fact that luffy doesn't have any relationships at all He's basically yeah. asexual. Doesn't matter because there's Nisekoi mm. next to it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like you can get your TNA or whatever it is you require from your comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like manga, like shonen, like uh, manga magazines are like a little buffet. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. American comics is like, you like mac and cheese. Here's mac and cheese. You like lots of it. Here's more cheesy on your mac and cheese. There's some bacon yeah. in this one, but it's mm. mac and cheese. <laughs> I, I agree with that. And it's it's weird because, I mean, I grew up, I, I mean, I owned at one point in my life 26 long boxes of comics that I got rid of when I moved. But I I find American comics now when I read them. And the, honestly, present company, I actually <laughs> really like. I know I've been reading Public Domain on Chip Substack. I actually really like it. Oh, thanks. But I find American comics self-conscious. And I mean that to like the point where like, we can't even have thought bubbles anymore because it's it's seen as babyish or uncool. Like, can you imagine an industry that doesn't want us to use thought bubbles having someone emote their feelings with like sparkles in the background or butterflies or flowers? Like all of these storytelling innovations 
that Japan's come up with in order to like convey different ideas in a story that work beautifully. Like we read Blood Red Boy and we were like, what does this flower mean in this context? <laughs> and we were like, we spent 20 minutes on what the flowers meant because it was so interesting and unique and wonderful to read that like 16 page story. Like this is a, this is, we, we're not allowed to do work. We're not allowed to do thought balloons. We got to do captions, but even then we probably shouldn't do captions too much. We got to have a fight every issue. If it's, <laughs> if it's any kind of superhero or superhero pattern comic, because if we don't have a fight, then nothing's happening. And if it's a talking heads issue, then everyone online is like talking heads issue, nothing happened. Yeah. And you're just like, no, the plot moved forward a hundred miles. And I find that like all these, these, like i I find the, I find as someone who's been reading superhero comics for literally 28 years that the genre con- con- constraints have become suffocating in terms of like what creators are allowed to do. And I liked image so much for that when I was like a teenager, because all of a sudden it's like all the stuff you're not supposed to do. Rob Leafield's going to have eight splash pages <laughs> in an issue. Yeah. It might be objectively bad, <laughs> but at the same time, I had never seen that shit before or like McFarlane doing it in that X-Force Spider-Man crossover. Like why can't we do these things? And it's because audiences have expectations and we cater to the audience and the audience shrinks every year because people are dying. Like I, I find, and I find that it's the same and it's not just superheroes. It's everything has genre expectations and Japanese comics. Oh my God. Shonen Jump has more like story expectations and genre convictions than maybe anything. Yeah. Like it may be the tightest, might be even more tight than Marvel, but it's, there's so many, they start with so many tools in the toolbox that even when they narrow it down, it's still pretty wide. But a Shonen Jump story always reads like a Shonen Except Jump story. Or Chainsaw Except Man. when it's deliberately going against the Shonen <laughs> yeah. Jump story situation. Yeah. But they pulled that from the magazine and put it online because they're like, what the fuck is this? And people <laughs> loved it. People loved it. So yeah, like- Sorry to go on a rant, but I read that and I was like, yeah, and he's not attaching. Here's the other thing. I don't think Araki is attaching a value judgment here. Oh, no. He's saying, I have done my research. This is what I see Japanese comics doing. This is what I see American comics doing. One is not necessarily better, but since this is in a manga where I'm ta- or a book I'm talking about manga, this is why I do things this way and this is what it brings me. I don't do this other thing, but this is what I see as the difference. There's no value judgment there, yeah. but it reads like a value judgment, doesn't it? <laughs> People, people on Twitter and and a lot of things. I'm guilty of this too. Where you want to, they want to pit it against each other, right? They want oh, to yeah, put, yeah. they want to put manga, all of manga, in the in the in the ring against superhero comics, and that's just mm. not a fair fight. It's yeah. not a, it, it's not a. It, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying it's a fair fight because it's one side. I'm saying it's just. Uh, not, it's like what's better, pizza or a hamburger. It's like they're both great. Oh like, man! No, <laughs> no, that, like, you've just like, done a thing now. Better? You've just done a thing, and they're going to fight about that online now. Yeah, what's better, pizza or the buffet at the Caesar's Palace? Mm. No, uh... <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like it's one flavor, and then you got many. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I mean, I'm not saying quantity or quality. I'm saying they're comparing one type of American comics with a multitude. Yeah. I I I, yeah, I, I suppose, but I I would I would, and I'm saying this as somebody that works <laughs> superhero comics. <laughs> I would say that superhero comics are just like a pizza. That's, that's all. That's all they are. Like, mm. and and it's so hard to get out of it for so many reasons. And the main one is the fact that they're owned by companies that <laughs> ins- insist on doing things a certain way and having the characters progress in a certain way and can't take risks and they don't have any kind of uh, diversity. <laughs> in in all in all in all manners, whereas whereas manga, you have 
you have a wider breadth. I think you have probably worse stuff in manga. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> but there we could we could pull up some stuff that is so much worse than literally the worst commercial Marvel. It was it was quite and it was quite nice. Great. It was quite I know <laughs> that's the thing, and I, I love that fact. It was quite nice for me when we all went to Japan. And we're going through that that massive store of used oh, manga, okay. yeah. and I would just like randomly grab stuff. And I'm like, "This is garbage! Thank God!" <laughs> because you kind of just get the best stuff, you know, <laughs> shipped over. Yeah. But because there's so much produced in so many different genres, different styles, yeah, you can actually afford to have a bunch of stuff that d- doesn't work. But yeah, the the Marvel DC image Triumvirate. publishing. Yeah, yeah, the, the 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 publishing plan, the 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 market, and what the market will bear is is so small and constrained that yeah, that's a that's a problem for sure. But yeah, comparing them doesn't make that much sense, except yeah. for the fact that you know one's super super popular and the other one is a uh, cultural juggernaut somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it just like the jocks and nerds kind of thing right now? Yeah, but it's like little nerds and nerds. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 it actually is nerds and nerds, nerds, and nerds, and nerds. <laughs> I want to actually say, in, in defense of American comics, I want to shout out Raina Telgemeier, who like literally needs. I'm sorry, who? Anybody? But who? Raina I'm sorry, Telgemeier. I work in superhero comics. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so she was, she loved manga, and she grew up with manga. She's talked about it. She's even done comics about it before. I'll see if I can find them to put them in the show notes. But when she basically started contemporary kids comics at Scholastic with the graphics with the Babysitter's Club Smile. adaptations and then Smile, Sisters, Drama, Guts, Ghosts, Guts. Uh, she was not afraid to include emotional storytelling in her storytelling where there are like emotional sequences, long silent sequences in those books showing movement and action and all the things that, you know, she loves Rumiko Takahashi. She's deeply influenced by Barefoot Gen and, you know, lots of, and other different works. You know, I'll put it in the, I'll, I'll find a good quote for the show notes, but you read those books and you see that, that she's like the, the pattern that a lot of that material is in that space is, is following in the same way that like a successful superhero book inspires other superhero books. And it's, again, she had just was using a wider toolbox. Yeah. Like she had read the X-Men and the Legion and the Teen Titans and during their heyday, but she had also read all the manga. And so now when people are like, oh, this is what a middle grade girls graphic novel is. Oh, we've got all these other tools in here that we can use. We don't say thought balloons are babyish. We don't say thinking in a thought balloon with an image in addition to text is babyish. That's cool too. We can put all these things into play. There's some really, really cool stuff happening in kids' comics in the like scholastic-y first second D space right now. So shout out there. I think that there's there's gonna be a generation that comes up that superhero books are gonna get really weird again really interesting you already start to see it with speaking of the space cops that that one uh sector 2184 or whatever it was that one green lantern book that oh was far, sec- far sector yeah far sector yeah. yeah that was that was really i was reading that and i was like whoa okay this is like not what i was expecting this book to be but it, you know it's still it's still a little bit trapped but not not as much so anyway matthew i hope that answers your question <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh. I still struggle with trying to differentiate what makes manga manga compared to, you know, and it, I don't have a pad answer for it. There, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, there isn't either. one. Mm-hmm. They're black and white. I think that's, they Until were produced in Japan <laughs> and called yeah. manga in stores in Japan. <laughs> yeah. Actually, funny story. If you go to uh, the really big Kinokuni in Shinjuku, mm-hmm. the whole manga building that they built at the back, the whole manga floor, it's comic suit. Hmm. They don't use the word manga at all. It's the comics forest. I love it. That's what they call that floor. Yeah. And it's uh, comics written in katakana on the wall. 
So even the Japanese aren't hung up on what manga is in that particular way. So I think that that's kind of awesome. Anyway, Matthew, thank you so much for your question. That was a very good conversation. Shout outs, anybody? I'm shouting out the first two Adams Family movies, uh, starring Raul Julia and Angelica Houston. My God, it is good. And the first two Brady Bunch live action movies. Second one isn't quite as good as the first, but they go to Hawaii and it's pretty great. Anybody else? Anybody else got I a will shout out? Second, the Adams Family recommendations, and I will get back to you on Brady Bunch. I'll watch the first one tonight because it's on HBO Max. Oh, nice. Uh, I mean, my, my shout out is the most boring shout out of all. Which is uh, Barry's back on HBO, the show that everyone loves. Like, yeah, I'm like, wow. It's great. Yeah. I'm sorry, what's HBO? <laughs> Home box office? There's this thing called movie theaters. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean... I'm in America now. I should watch. I you know what? I've never actually thought of home box office before and what it means. <laughs> oh. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, of course. It's yeah, a box right? office at home. All right. I get That's it. why it has like the static. You run through the city. There's a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> I've watched I a lot of HBO. I haven't thought about what, what the acronym stands for for a long time. Oh, my God. What killed me mm. is HBO Max is because of HBO and Cinemax. What? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So but, much. Uh, do you have a shout out that's not HBO trivia? <laughs> Once again, all I have to show for my week is manga. Do pick up Sensei's Pious Lie. I pick, bought it last week, and it's um, it's disturbing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, good. It's hmm. it's messy sex. It's messy people. It it'll it'll just it'll stick with you for a while, and I. It's kind of neat because I was—I didn't think manga could shock me anymore. Wow, <laughs> it's worth. I mean, I might recommend it to you and see what you guys think, but I don't want to say too much. What it is, because the oomph of this story—the first chapter seems like about a, a mousy twenty-four-year-old single high school teacher, and then her pretty friend, and her saying, "Oh, I'm going to get married to my boyfriend," and the, she seems to be really shy. Like the boyfriend does something semi-flirtatious, and she just turns bright red. And you think, oh, it's because she's a virgin and she's so nervous around men. And as the chapters go on, you realize, no, there's something going on here. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the part about the student, there's one of the, the girl who offers herself up to a, a boy. And she says, well, if you don't love me, then I'll just, I can just be your backup sex partner. And like, wow. There's a lot of messy sex in here. Mm-hmm. And it's written by a woman. A lot of it feels like, yeah, this is how women are. And, but, but we don't talk about it and we don't write about it because it makes both men and women uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's very nicely drawn. <laughs> all right, <laughs> She's an all amazing right. artist. And the, the sex is not romantic. <laughs> mm. It's actually, yeah, there's some sexual assault, so it's a, it's a deeply uncomfortable read. Oh. But I think it's worth reading. Mm. Well, there you go. Those are this week's shout outs. And this has been a whole episode of Manga Explaining. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We will be back next week. Anyone know what we're reading next week? I do not remember. Blue Giant. Oh, Blue Giant. Nice. Blue Giant. Vo- oh, right, finally nice. Blue Giant. Blue nice. Giant volumes five and six in one book. And we're going to, this is going to be our grand experiment in not starting with the first volume and say, I apologize. It's not as good as the later volume. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
I can't wait. That's going to be great. I actually haven't read it yet. So I'll put on a jazz playlist. We'll find that Spotify playlist that they talked about and just go to town listening to Blue Giant. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We will catch you next time. Take care. This has been Manga Splaining, episode number 63, All My Darling Daughters by Fumi Yoshinaga. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be reading Blue Giant, volumes 5 and 6 by Shinichi Ishizuka. And no, you didn't miss any episodes. We're jumping ahead to volumes 5 and 6 for a new experiment on the podcast. Definitely check it out. If you want to pick up a copy of Blue Giant, please consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. And you can find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. Or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list and show notes at mangasplaining.com. And don't forget to check out our newsletter and publishing endeavor at mangasplainingextra.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.